Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health resource. This is Ted Brower, and I'm coming to you on this Labor Day on Monday. I'm actually live today. Austin has decided to take some well-needed time off with his family, so I'm happy that he's basically hanging out with the kids. But there was so much news going on this weekend and so much stuff happening around the world. Still sharing this morning, I said, I'm not going to run a tape today. I'm going to go ahead and go live and cover the news as heavily as, heavily as I possibly can because there's a lot of things I want to talk to you guys about today. I was listening to a lot of tapes and a lot of research and a lot of videos this past weekend, and I started seeing the real need to really go into detail and discuss with you what happened during the 1912 presidential campaign with Woodrow Wilson. And I want to go into detail about what he did with the girl he had the affair with with Princeton. I never talked to you guys about this and why it was so easy to manipulate him. A lot of historians now believe, and I'm just going to start off with this, and then I'll hit the world news and we'll do the other stuff. I wanted to get this off my mind real quick. Woodrow Wilson was basically a philanderer. He was a very, very brilliant man. He was basically the president, you know, as far as the head guy there at Princeton for a while. But apparently he and his wife had a relatively bad relationship, and he ended up having an affair. And we don't know how many affairs that he had, but usually with guys who have affairs, it's usually not one. It's usually more. I cannot say at all that he was a committed Christian whatsoever. In addition to that, a lot of historians are now saying that he had syphilis. And they say, well, gosh, Ted, that's kind of disgusting to talk about first thing on a Monday morning. Well, you got to remember, you know, we don't remember this, but you got to go back in your history books. Syphilis was a real big problem back, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. There really wasn't penicillin. There really wasn't a cure for it, and people could die from it. And they started having all types of health problems from it. And a lot of historians are now saying that Woodrow Wilson basically died of syphilis as a blithering imbecile and didn't even know who he was anymore. It's kind of like the way Al Capone died. Just thought I'd throw Al Capone in there with Will because I consider them both mostly out of the same cloth. And, and Woodrow Wilson was very, very compromised. And they needed to find the person who was compromised, the international banking cartels did, in order to sign the Federal Reserve Act into law, in order to get the Federal Reserve Act passed by you know, the president. And they had to find somebody who was basically compromised as far as morally. This is something that's been happening for... You know, for hundreds of years, you know, thousands of years, if you go back to ancient Rome, as far as how they manipulated politicians. And what was interesting about Wilson, you had Theodore Roosevelt was president, and then Taft became president, and then Theodore Roosevelt wanted to be president again. Now, remember, Theodore Roosevelt, just thought I'd let you guys know this, was a high-level Mason, and Taft was skull and bones. So they were all tied together in secret societies in Masonic orders. And Taft wanted to be president for a second term, Theodore Roosevelt wanted to be president again. He would, they were all set up by the banking cartels. And Wilson, they had to find somebody who would be a stooge. And they found Wilson who could be easily compromised. And they put Wilson into office in 1912. And, and basically what happened is Theodore Roosevelt ran on the Bull Moose Party. He, he did what Ross Perot did with George Bush back in 92. And he, he basically ran a third-party candidacy knowing that he would split the electoral votes and knowing that he would put Woodrow Wilson in office. It was all done on purpose because, again, he was a Mason. Remember, Masons are based in Kabbalah, based in the Zohar. And then we've got Skull and Bones, which is another satanic organization, which you may not believe that, but it really is. It's really what, you know, they have to tell their deepest, darkest secrets in a crypt somewhere. You know, it can't be good, right? And so these guys are all involved in all of this basically subterfuge in order to bring in a new world order, in order to bring in the bankers, in order to bring in 
a new country called Israel in order to bring in a Federal Reserve Bank. In 1776, you know, when we basically declared independence against Britain, our forefathers had decided under no circumstances were we going to have a central bank in the United States would control coinage and the printing of money. And that's why it was given over to Congress. When we basically rebelled against England and declared independence in 1812, they started another war with us trying to bring in a Federal Reserve Bank into the United States. And when that happened, the Bank of America was brought in. A guy by the name of Biddle was put in charge. And it was a complete and total Rothschild Bank. Rothschild was involved in the British War with France with the Napoleonic Wars in the late 1700s, and they also funded both sides of the Revolutionary War in the United States, and they also funded both sides of our Civil War. It was all about trying to bring in a new world banking order and controlling all of us through currency. Now, they weren't as as involved in the 1776 rebellion until 1812 because they were so wrapped up with what was going on in France with the Napoleonic Wars and taking over the Bank of England. But in 1812, they decided to reinvade the United States to get their colonies back because at this point they controlled the Rothschilds, controlled England, controlled the Bank of England, controlled the, the basically the uh, the entire house of you know uh, of the the rulers and the king and the queen and everything else. And they brought back the troops into the United States. And when they did this, the way the war ended was that we agreed to put in a central bank, a Rothschild-controlled central bank. Well, 18, in 1832, Andrew Jackson, who, by the way, also was a Mason, all these Masons are involved in all this stuff, uh, he basically decided to get rid of the Bank of the United States and basically threw the bankers out and started printing correct money again. Actually, he was the first and only president to get the United States completely out of debt. Well, then when Abraham Lincoln took power, basically the international banking cartels had again tried to split the United States by backing the South and the North, and it wasn't about slavery. It was about states' rights. Slavery was a minor issue, and what ended up happening is Lincoln was money martyred. He was killed at the end because he refused again to put it in a bank. And always remember, John Wilkes Booth was a Rothschild agent. Always remember that all of this is being controlled by the international money guys who are all Sabbatean Frankist Kabbalists. Remember, this was 1666. Jacob Frank came along and decided he was going to start a new cult and basically to resurrect their serpent god from the Kabbalah. And he wanted to make everything as evil as he possibly could. Well, he ended up converting to become a Muslim. He died. A hundred years later, Jacob Frank came in and took over that movement and basically just cleared him I guess the new, you know, Sabatain Zivi. And when that happened, he basically brought the Rothschild banking cartel into the satanic movement. All of this stuff was tied together, you know, in the 1600s, 1700s, and then going into the 1800s. And then they had several other presidents end up getting assassinated because of the central banks. And then finally, in the early 1900s, they were absolutely desperate to do this as far as getting a central bank into the United States to control the United States through debt. Because at that point in time, the United States was massively expanding. Now, remember, Rockefeller and Carnegie and all these major industrialists back in the early 1900s were all being financed through the Rothschild banking cartel. I mean, you think about it for a second. You've got a United States government that is restricted on how much currency it can print, and these guys are needing billions and hundreds of billions of dollars of today's money in order to basically create a railroad system across the United States or to build gigantic factories like Carnegie did. They've got to find funding for all of this stuff. So they went to the Rothschild banking cartel, who we use these guys as cutouts in order to control them. And the same thing as today. And then they take all their money and they put it into these nonprofit foundations to which they are 
They're able to have these endowments, which last in perpetuity, and they're able to continue to use this money for the expansion of communism and socialism and Satanism throughout the world. You know, that's how these guys maintain their wealth. They basically put it into giant nonprofit foundations that's ru which run independently of oversight, pretty much. And they're allowed to do whatever they want to do with the money. And remember, they do this before they pay income tax on this stuff. In other words, they take all that money and put it into these nonprofits tax-free. Well, that's what they do. Well, so they brought Woodrow Wilson into the fray. They said, well, we got this guy in. We know he's compromised. We know he had this affair. And it's continuing to have this affair with this woman from Princeton when he was married. And people go, well, what the heck, man? Why would he do something like that? Well, I don't know. I mean, his wife died while he... He was, you know, in office. I don't know what in the world was his relationship with his wife, but a lot of people say that because he was a philanderer, uh, you know, <laughs> he had relationships with many women and that he had syphilis. Now, remember, just eight days before his meeting with House in the White House when he was being blackmailed over the Federal Reserve stuff, Woodrow Wilson sent this woman named Peck. Her name was Peck. And uh, he sent her a check for $7,500, or the equivalent of about $183,000 a day, as hush money because he didn't want to have her go public. Now, remember who he, who he was doing this with. It was Samuel Untermeyer. Now, what's interesting about all of this stuff is Woodrow Wilson, many people believe, I'm just going to go ahead and say, suffering with syphilis, had already gone blind in one eye. <laughs> just one of the side effects, by the way, of advanced syphilis diseases. And uh, the economy this article is that the consequences of late-stage syphilis can be very critical and even fatal. It can significantly damage the heart by leading to valvular disease, aorta inflammation, and heart failure. It can also cause involuntary muscle movement, stroke, blindness, and paralysis. In addition, untreated syphilis may lead to other sexually transmitted diseases. Now, what's interesting about this, Wilson suffered from blindness. He had aortic inflammation. He had a type of heart failure. He had involuntary muscle movements. He ended up having a stroke. He ended up being blind. He ended up being paralyzed and ended up dying as an imbecile. So, you guys do your own math on that, whether he has syphilis or not, but a lot of people believe that he did. But what ended up happening is he was a pawn of the international banking cartel. And he basically ran his second term in 1916 on, I'm going to keep you guys out of the war. We will not go into war in Europe, which is exactly what he wanted to do in the World War One, Because the Rothschilds were controlling him because they wanted to destroy the Tsar of Russia, who a hundred years earlier when they had the Napoleonic Wars, when they were trying to centralize Europe through a central bank and take over all the governments of Europe, bailed out the Russian government, the Tsar bailed out these other countries and paid off all of their debt. And the head guy, Nathan Rothschild, at that time swore to destroy Russia because they did this with the Tsar. Now, a hundred years later, they decided that they were going to try to do another New World Order and that Russia would be involved in all of it again, but they wanted to make sure they controlled Russia this time and got rid of the Russian czar and his family to make sure there were no heirs left, the Romanovs. So what they did is they started a Russian revolution in the early 1900s, which continued to gain speed and pick up speed. They actually used the same groups they're using today in this country called Antifa. The same groups were being used. That's the same name was, anti-fascist movements. And they started promoting racial divide and racial division against all of the countries in the world in around 1910. In fact, they actually did a, a, a play in Wall Street, basically a book that was called The Melting Pot. They did a play on, 
on it, in which they started talking about how the Jews were heavily persecuted in Russia and how all of these other groups were basically, you know, trying to destroy America. And all. It just—it was a really it was a super racist play, and they started promoting all of this anti-American agenda, anti-world agenda, anti-independent countries and nationalism agenda. They started this early in the 1900s, over 100 years ago. And this is the group, again, that put Woodrow Wilson into power. Well, then when the Lusitania was sunk, Wilson tried to push the United States in the war, and Congress said no. Well, then after that, they, the Germans started doing basically you know, unrestricted submarine warfare against ships and vessels in the Atlantic that were going to England, and Germany warned them all not to do this. In fact, before the Lusitania was sunk, Germany put a big article in the New York Times and said, hey, look, here's the deal. You guys are sending armaments to Germany. I'm sorry, to England. Germany wrote this article in the New York Times. And what we're going to do is basically we're going to have unrestricted warfare against any naval vessels coming out of the United States. We're not going to allow you guys to arm Britain against us. We're in the middle of this war and the siege, and you're funding the enemy. And so they sent the Lusitania over to Europe, and it was filled with munitions. And they had been warned. They warned the people not to get on the ship. And the Lusitania found out that there was a submarine in the area, and it slowed down to like zero knots, one knot. It was barely moving. And that Lusitania could run 20, 25, 30 knots. It's a fast ship, and it would outrun the submarines, outrun the torpedoes, outrun everything. But it slowed down in an area where they knew they had seen a U-boat, and the U-boat put one torpedo into it. It hit the munitions. It's just, the ship sunk less than half an hour. Thousands of people were killed, and they were trying to use that as a reason to start World War I or to get into World War I with Wilson, who had just promised not to get involved with this war. Well, it didn't work. Well, then they continued with the submarine bombing, so submarine and sinking of ships. <coughs> Excuse me. And so Wilson decided to go in and get, get the United States into the war. So he started lobbying in Congress, going to the war, and finally he got us into the war, which is what the Rothschilds wanted, and then they got their Balfour Declaration. And their Balfour Declaration was that said, basically, if the United States were to get into World War I, that what would happen with England would release a large portion of Palestine, which they controlled as a homeland, going to be called Israel, for the Jewish people. And this was the Balfour Declaration. You guys can look it all up. It's all predicated on this war that was being done in Europe at the time. And so the United States gets into the war, and then all of a sudden we have the quote-unquote League of Nations, which is going to be a one-world government, guys. It was 100 years ago. They want to do a one-world government. And Wilson basically brought the thing home said, hey, we've got to sign this, blah, 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 because Wilson, Wilson being a Rothschild agent, and then Henry Cabot Lodge, now this is not the junior, the guy who was a nightmare back in the 60s and the 70s, Henry Cabot Lodge, uh, who was the real, real patriot, came against Wilson and basically stopped it. He actually came in, and he was so well-liked in the Senate and the House that he lobbied heavily against Woodrow Wilson and this League of Nations and the United States losing its sovereignty and coming under this new world order. Now, what was interesting about this is the Rothschilds had not yet taken over the press. They had not yet gone in and controlled all the newsprint and magazine prints. Remember, we didn't have TV. Radio was still in its infancy. You know, Tesla developed the radio, not Marconi, by the way, and, and basically they were just getting started with this radio, and it was being used for kind of like spy purposes as a secret weapon, but the reality was it wasn't nationally used at that point. And so the print was it. And so what happened is the print came in and attacked the League of Nations. The people of the United States stood up in uproar about the League of Nations. And I remember, 
the American people did not want to be in World War One. One of the major minorities in the United States in World War One were Germans, German Americans that had come over in 1816, 1870, 1880, 1890, 1900 to get away from Europe and get away from all the laws over there, and they had come into the United States. If you look in the white pages of the phone book, well, there's no such thing as a phone book anymore. The way we used to have phone books, and if you guys are kids listening, we used to have something called a phone book. You, know, you could actually have printed and given to you every year. And if you look in the old phone books, if you have one laying around the house, all the whites, all the millers, all the browns, and all the smiths were primarily, which were their major names in the phone books, were primarily German heritage. Just thought I'd mention that. You had Weiss, Brown, Schmidt, and Müller. Those are the German equivalents of that. And so the German people and the German Americans did not want to be in World War One because they did not want to go in and fight their cousins and their uncles and their brothers. They didn't want to do all that. And so Wilson really, really pushed anti-German sentiment into the United States along with Edward Bernays and those clowns who basically were running the media back then as far as the propaganda that was being done and pushed into the United States. Well, Wilson was stopped, and they could not get the League of Nations. So at that point, they knew they had to have another war, which, you know, in, you know, in Pike's letters to Manzini, Manzini letters to Pike, or whoever wrote what to who, some of that's debated on where it came from, it said they had to have a second war, which was going to take the fascists and the Zionists and have them fight, and they did, and they had World War II, and one of the primary reasons World War II was fought was to create so much anti-Semitism in Europe. Now, this is, this is the research that I've read, guys, and I believe it's true, is to create such a horrible environment for the Jewish people in, in Europe that they decided they would leave and go to Palestine. And they did, by the millions, hundreds of thousands that they left after the war. And they went back into, and they created the country of Israel. Now, this was the overlying goal of all of these guys, and here's why. Again, this is all going on. They wanted to have a third temple built in Israel because it, the, the Masonic lodges are absolutely just obsessed with the third temple, and that's what they want, and that's because that way they bring their Antichrist out. Now, the Masonic lodges and a lot of what happened with the Masonic lodges prior to 1900 was replaced by the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations, which is another Rothschild subsidiary, I guess you could call it, that was developed after the League of Nations failed. And the CFR is a group of national, international business guys and leaders of the governments and world affairs who've gotten together, who want a new world order, and who want a united world under a one-world government. That's the CFR. And that today runs so much of what happens in Washington and runs all the major group think tanks. And again, it's completely and totally banker-controlled. But I wanted to tie this all together with you on that 10-year period today and let you know what happened. Now, the reason I say all that is to say this. The reason that they hate the Internet so much as far as these globalists, because they used it as a, a double-edged sword for them. They were going to use it as a control device for us. But then we all got kind of smart with it and we said well hey look if we have a free flow of information we can really free flow information and start telling everybody what's really going on which is exactly what happened in 1919 oh by the way Wilson had a stroke probably from the syphilis in 1919 while he was still in office and was pretty much incapacitated the rest of his presidency and he should have been declared incompetent and they should have put the vice president in but the Rothschilds wouldn't allow that because Woodrow Wilson's wife or his 
whoever it was in the White House with him at that time, because his wife had died earlier, basically was running the show along with a guy by the name of House, who was a Rothschild agent in the White House. So all of this stuff was all subterfuge back then. But they had to figure out how to control the press and the media, which they immediately start doing in the 20s. And then they also had to get more Democrats into the major cities, because remember, very few Democrats had won the election. Because people didn't want this this, the, uh, this type of philosophy in in Congress or in the White House, they didn't want that, and so they brought they started bringing in millions of immigrants in from Europe, from communist countries, a lot of them from Russia, a lot of them Jewish Russian immigrants, who were basically hardcore communists, who basically came in and were Democrats, and this is still why there's such a predominant Jewish influence in the Democratic Party of hardcore leftists, pro kabbalists pro-abortionists, pro-gay people, all of this stuff was orchestrated to bring this in through the Frankfurt School and to allow the United States to fall into this, how should I say this, to, to degrade the nationalism of the United States so that they would, they would put people against each other and have all the minorities fighting each other. This is one of the reasons that Donald Trump was put into office. Now, I personally believe, and I'm going to say this again, I believe that Donald Trump was the accidental president. I believe that Hillary Clinton was born through some type of sex ritual. I know this is you know, conceived through that. I believe she's a high-level witch. Okay? They just told us this last week. <laughs> Mike Huckabee, in fact, I know Mike. I met him at a, at a get-together a few years ago, actually a year ago. He basically did a show and said that Hillary was not going to have to testify on her email server or any of the other stuff that was supposed to happen this month. Remember last month, Austin said, or two months ago, Austin said that Hillary was going to basically have to testify, get put back under oath, and do a deposition again. And I told Austin it was never going to happen because she knows too much and she knows too many people. Well, it's more than that with her. You know, Larry Nichols said she was a high-level witch when he was working for her. And that she'd go back and forth to her witch's coven in California every every few months. She, I think she's more than that. I think I personally believe she was conceived. I mean, to her. She was conceived through a sex magic ritual. And you think, well, well, Ted, that sounds crazy. Well, I'm just telling you what I've read, what I've read, and what I've seen. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But the reality is, I believe that. But here's the thing: for some reason, she's untouchable. For some reason, Hillary Clinton is coded, is coded in Teflon. For some reason, nobody will do anything to Hillary Clinton. Now, either she knows so much about so many people, or they're scared of her from a Luciferian standpoint because of her level. This is exactly what happened with Albert Pike. I mean, he's going to be tried for war crimes. And then Johnson, who was the president, pardoned Pike, got himself impeached, almost got thrown out of office by less than another vote. He had gotten himself completely kicked out of office because they were so angry he had pardoned Pike. But Johnson was also a high-level Mason, but Pike was above him. In this satanic order, they have a hierarchy, I guess, of priests and priestesses and different levels of whatever they are. And apparently Hillary's pretty much at the top of the pile as far as witches and I think that the people, the people there are actually scared of her. And I, I know Bill Clinton. You can tell by when he gets around her, he's terrified of her, and he really wants nothing to do with her. And so perhaps that's what's going on, but she will not have to testify, and she's basically going to walk and skate, even though Donald Trump kept saying, lock her up, lock her up. Now, why would Donald Trump say, lock her up, lock her up? Well, because it's all part of the narratives, guys. You know, Donald Trump is pretty much reading a script at this point. After he became, I believe, the accidental president, probably because we prayed him in, 
he started realizing that he had to do what he was being told to do. That's why he put so many CFR members. He has more CFR members in the White House in the top administrative post than any other president that we've ever had. Donald Trump does. And, you know, when I talked to Roger Stone about this, now this is not Ted Brower giving you guys something that, you know, I saw or read about. I spoke to Roger Stone about this, and I spoke to him about certain people that Trump was hanging out with, and he told Donald Trump the guy was CFR and you don't want to associate with him. This is from this is from Donald. This is from Roger Stone's lips to Ted Brower. He told me this personally. So Donald Trump was unaware of what the CFR was and what the CFR did. He was completely clueless as far as politics. He was being used as a tool by the Rothschild banking cartel all of his life to be in a position where they could control him and use him. I mean, he was on TV for what ten, twelve seasons with The Apprentice. I mean, he's an actor. He does what he's supposed to do. He reads a script. And if you really believe all of these one-liners that he says he comes up with and someone hasn't basically fed him some of these one-liner things, then you're dreaming. Donald Trump drinks 12 to 15 diet sodas a day. He probably has severe brain damage from the aspartame, which causes brain tumors, brain cancer, seizures, headaches, optic nerve degradation, also eats holes and Swiss cheeses your brain. So Donald Trump is just a figurehead. He's a cutout, and he's a New Yorker with a really big mouth. And he likes to pick on people like he's a 12-year-old bully in a, in a play yard. Now, this is the one that the evangelicals want to say is the chosen. I, I was driving around Orlando yesterday, and there were all these big billboards up, and they had a big picture of Donald Trump, and he goes, the chosen one. These are on billboards all over Central Florida. The chosen, the chosen. They want everybody to believe that he's been chosen by God in order to represent Christianity. Well, you know, now he's saying he's writing letters again to his to his followers, to his supporters, saying that he's going to get rid of and defund Planned Parenthood. Have we heard that before? Have we heard that before? Why would he do that? Why would he come in now and say he's going to defund Planned Parenthood? Because he knows that polls very well when he does that. He also says he's going to stop all this race thing and all the other stuff that's happening in the colleges. He says that... Trump says the school's teaching the New York Times 16 non 19 project will not be funded. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Well, that means the race stuff. But he doesn't have the authority. He doesn't have the authority to stop any of that stuff, guys. Guys, he can't even build a wall. He can't build a wall. I mean, we. He's told us. He told us five years ago we were going to have a giant wall across Mexico, and now they, we've got a fence part of the way. But most of the fence that was built has been built in areas where there was already a wall or a fence. You know, he also, another this thing with Cohen, this 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 piece of garbage attorney that he had that turned on Trump, uh, He's now he's written a book, which I thought that was illegal. I didn't think he could actually do a crime and do horrible things and write books about it and get paid for it. But, you know, now he's saying that Trump forcibly kissed women in his office, and he thought his supporters would think he was cool if he slept with a porn star, and he leered over Michael Cohen's teen daughter, the former fixer claims in his book. Now, first of all, Michael Cohen's is a chronic habitual liar. You know, so how in the world would we believe anything that he's saying anyhow? But, you know, D- Donald Trump is, again, reading a script. <laughs> and now, now, now Donald Trump says the party's over. Trump orders a purge of critical race theory from federal agencies. He does not have the authority to do that. Guys, he can't build a wall. He can't, he can't start telling people what they can and can't do and can and can't teach and can and can't say. He can't do that. He does, he's not a dictator. And this is the problem. He says this stuff because he's trying to create a narrative. 
He's trying to say, look at me, I'm the Donald. I'm the one who basically can change everything. I'm the one that you need to have before you want to put the sniffer into the White House. And, you know, it just the whole thing is so blown out of proportion. Yesterday, Sharon and I went to a... Uh, like a like a you know like a county fair uh you know local thing in which they have these you know groups of stands set up and, and you know we were just walking around and talking to people and I and I, and I went and talked to a man who was there and and he basically had it was that place is completely empty by the way I mean it was, I don't know how the vendors are making any money the last time we had gone there was packed before COVID lockdown and about half the people are wearing masks half of them aren't so I'm glad people are waking up and so I went and talked to this one guy who was sitting there he's about seventy five years old. And he was pretty down. And he starts talking politics with me. And he's, oh, I hope Donald Trump wins. I hope Donald Trump's win. And I said, well, Donald Trump's going to win. I said, there's no doubt about that. I said, the Democrats haven't even put a legitimate candidate to go against Trump. And very rarely does an incumbent lose the White House for the second four years. And I said, it's not going to be an issue. He goes, oh, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I looked at him. I said, dude, I said, do you really think that all of this is going to change when Donald Trump wins? Oh, the COVID will be over with. I said, wait a minute, bud. I said, Lakeland. I said, Germany and Europe are still closed down. It has nothing to do with the United States politics. I said, England's closed down. I said, we can't even fly to Europe. I said, everybody's closed their borders. South America, pretty much all the countries are still closed down. I said, the only people that have the power to do that are the international bankers. I said, they're trying to slow down the velocity of money. And see, this is the reason that they've done this. And to slow down the velocity of money, which means they're going to basically cause deflation, they can inflate and try to cover their derivatives and all of the money they owe. And see, here's let me let me give you an example of this. You know, now they're saying that despite all of the stimulus, despite all of the stimulus that the United States is doing, that the, the economy is still collapsing. So you say, well, why would that happen? Why would after we put in trillions of dollars of stimulus? Well, we really haven't given trillions of dollars. Most of that money went to the international bankers, by the way. But why would we've given billions, hundreds of billions of dollars to the people in the United States, why would the economy continue to contract? Zero Hedge put it this way. The economy continues to unravel despite all stimulus measures. Now, I'm going to explain something to you very quickly. And this is a very good concept to think about. You know, I've got a friend of mine. His name is Don. He's got a machine shop. And he basically manufactures stuff you know, machinery, all kinds of other stuff. And he has machinists who work for him, and they manufacture stuff that he sells, and he has government contracts and everything else that he does. Brilliant man, good Christian guy, good friend. He's been by the house. And, and what was interesting about this is, from a marketing, advertising, business standpoint, the primary reason that you have employees is that you can use them as a multiplier effect. Now, let me explain to you what that means. If I have a guy working for me in the machine shop, and I'm paying him... an hour, he's a highly skilled, highly technical person, and it takes him 20 hours at $30 an hour in order to make something, all right, it's going to cost me $600 in salary to have him do something for me and make something for me. Now, if I'm going to sell this, I can't sell it for $600 because I have associated overhead with it. I mean, all I would do is not even break even because I still have to pay the utilities, the garbage, the lease the rent, or whatever else you've got to do. So I've got to mark that up. So let's say I figure out my actual cost in that is $1,200, right? When I figure all the overhead as an employee, employer. So then I say, well, the company's got to make money, so I'm going to mark it up to $2,400 so we can have 
money as far as income to operate everything else. So what I've done is I've used that employee. He's made the product, and I create a multiplier effect. In other words, it doesn't generate $600. It generates $2,400, which allows me to take a salary, allows me to pay other bills, et cetera, et cetera, and allows the business to stay in business. When you take a $600 stimulus check and you give it to a person not to work, there is no multiplier effect. This is why the federal government has never been good at creating jobs, and the federal government always operates in the red, always, because it can't create income. It can't create anything. It can only give people money that it steals the tax dollars from, from me and you to pay these other people. The other day, I looked at a truck. It had tools on it. The guy was a yard service. And it says, please don't steal my tools. It's paying your welfare and your assistance. All right? Now, I thought that was pretty good. But this is the problem that we have is we've lost the multiplier effect of people working. You know, I, I need some uh, a maintenance person now for the company. And I ran an ad. I had zero response. And and the sad part about it is I spoke to another friend of mine at the flea market thing yesterday. His name's Tommy. And he said he he ran multiple ads. He got like 10 or 12 responses and that nobody showed up for the interview. And they were just using their responses to him to show that they were trying to look for a job so they could continue grabbing their unemployment checks. And again, this is why the economy is continuing to unravel because free enterprise and capitalism has to maintain a multiplier effect on the employees that are hired. Otherwise, the entire business starts to go downhill. You go into a negative cash flow spiral, and pretty soon you don't have the money to pay those employees. That's what happens, and that's what we're finding in these businesses now. I have another friend of mine. His name's Mike. He's got an Italian restaurant, and he's working 80 hours a week. And he, and he told me, he says, Ted, business is good. He goes, but I can't get employees. Nobody wants a job. Everybody's getting government assistance. This is what the Rothschild, this is one of the biggest mistakes the Rothschilds ever made with the Soviet Union. When they took over the Soviet Union, they destroyed Tsar Nicholas and his family. They started giving people money not to work. And the United, and the, and the Soviet Union ended up going completely and totally bankrupt and collapsing with 40, 50 years after it got started simply because there was no multiplier effect. Communism doesn't create multiplier effects. It allows you to work or not work and get the same amount of money so people choose not to work. People say, why in the world are you doing a show today on Labor Day Monday when you could be taking off and swimming or going to the beach or whatever? Because I choose to work. I choose to be here with you guys. I choose to create a multiplier effect. I've been praying for you guys all weekend when I don't get to talk to you guys for a couple of days. I miss you, to be honest with you, because I miss having the synergy and having the ability to communicate with you. You know, many of you now are, you know, or have contacted Sharon through, you know, ST Brower at Instagram, and she's, she has a giant multiplier effect now. Her, her Instagram accounts up like 600%, like in four or five days. Thank you for that, by the way. Please keep adding more people to the Instagram for her, ST Brower. And, we're having a multiplier effect on that. Now we're having more and more people getting involved with us as far as helping us with these girls, these orphans, these girls that we've adopted. Well, they're not orphans. They're people that have been, girls have been taken out of their families so they wouldn't be sold in the sex slave business in Thailand. 
And so we have all of these people now sending us all of this stuff and all of these clothes and all of these things for the kids. And, and I thank you for that, guys, because if you weren't doing that, you know, we wouldn't have the ability to go together and, and support all of the stuff that we're doing. Again, it's a multiplier effect. And, and this is what's happening in the United States and why the economies are collapsing all over. Why, why the revenue for the states are down, why the states are having a hard time meeting budgets because they can't print money. It's all part of the Cloward Piven program, which is a Rothschild program, which was a Kabbalist program to cause massive increase in overhead and expenses for the state and federal government until they collapse from their own internal weight of not being able to pay their own bills. This is what's happening right now in the United States. And guys, if we don't stop this, it's not going to get any better. And then we have all of these people that are going out and doing all of this stuff as far as you know, promoting all of this crazy stuff in all these Christian churches. Like right now, there's another article that just came out and then Karen said to me this morning, it's talking about how we have these, that Israel is funding evangelicals. Well, surprise, surprise, we all knew that. And it says, wolves in sheep's clothing, and Israel's caught funding evangelical Christians. Why would they do that? Why? Because we're promoting Zionism in these churches. And we have to understand, stunning news has recently been uncovered by a group of Israeli journalists called the Seventh Eye, who have filed a freedom of information request, and the documents that were provided show how money is given to Christian evangelical groups in the United States to disseminate pro-Israel messaging. This, again, started with the Schofield Bible, which was, again, done by Samuel Schofield, you know, not Samuel Schofield, I forgot his first name, Schofield, who was done by Samuel Untermeyer, who basically promoted Schofield back in 1910, 1912, 1913, to the Zionist circles, Remember, Theodore Herzl started this entire Zionist movement back in the 18, late 1800s in order to create Israel again as a nation in order to build a third temple. It's all the same group that does all of this stuff. And that's, that's why I wanted you guys to see it. And so now we have Donald Trump, whose daughter is a Kabbalist, whose son-in-law is a Kabbalist, who basically are Satanists, who are in the White House with him, and Donald Trump is continuing to read a script. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, because a lot of you guys are Trump guys, and I understand that. I got that. I was a Trump guy. But the reality is Trump's going to win this election. I mean, they're, they're going to have to put they're going to, have to put Joe, they're going to have to put Joe Biden on some kind of stimulant. They're going to have to put him on some type of Ritalin or some kind of methylamphetamine or something to get him to be able to continue to have a conversation with Donald Trump in a debate. That's why Donald Trump said, again, to create the friction, we want to have drug tests done on both me and Joe to make sure we're not on some type of stimulant before the debate. But, of course, they're never going to do that. But see, all of this stuff is being used by the international bankers to control both sides of the narrative. Remember, I, I read you guys that article. I'm going to read it to you again real quick. And, uh, you know, Brooke Levy, one of Karl Marx's correspondents, and basically said that, you know, he posted that, you know, that they want to create their own messiahs and they'll become, eventually become the ruling element of that opposition. And, and what's crazy about all of this stuff, I mean, what does that mean? Well, in a candid moment after World War One, Kuhn Lieb, he was a partner of Otto Kahn, Kuhn Lieb is one of the banking houses that Schiff got involved with in order to create the Federal Reserve Bank. Otto Kahn explained that the Kabbalist bankers remake the world, remember the Kabbalists, by creating artificial conflicts and determining the outcome. This is all part of the Hegelian dialectic, problem maxis solution. These include world wars, the Cold War, the war on terror, not to mention the phony left-right paradigm that please continues to hold America in a gridlock. Otto Kahn was a partner with Jacob Schiff, just mentioned him, and Paul Warburg, and America's most influential banking firm, Kuhn Lieb, that was basically involved in creating the money supply in the Federal Reserve Bank. 
Thus, it's worth recalling what he said about this, about this, this, this Kabbalist strategy. Now, what was interesting about this, ask why bankers would back Bolshevism, a system supposedly against private ownership, Khan said that the bankers create an apparent opposite to remake the world according to their specifications. In other words, these guys are a bunch of slick, low-life liars, and all they do is lie about everything. All they do is follow their daddy, Lucifer, who's the father of lies. Then he goes on to say, you say that Marxism is the antithesis of capitalism which is equally sacred to us. In other words, they want to have Marxism and they want to have capitalism. It is precisely for this reason that they are direct opposites to one another that they put into our hands the two poles of this planet and allow us to be its axis. These two contraries or opposites, like Bolshevism and ourselves, find their identity in the international. These opposites meet again in the identity of their purpose and in the end by remaking the world from above by the control of riches and from below by revolution. Well, now, wait a minute. This is all about creating Israel to bring in the third temple. He says this. This is what his next comment is. This, this is. this is very, very important that you understand this. He goes, our mission consists in promulgating the new law and in creating a God, this is Einsoff, that is to say, in purifying the idea of God and realizing it, when the time shall come, we shall purify the idea, identifying it with the nation of Israel, which has become its own Messiah. The advent of it will be facilitated in the final triumph of Israel. Now, you think, what the heck are you talking about this for today? Look, guys, here's the thing. Israel is the most apartheid state in the world. It's the number one homosexual destination in the world. It it sends millions and millions of dollars to TV evangel evangelicals and evangelical churches in the United States to promote the fact that it's going to be considered paramount in the end times through the Schofield Bible. It is the group of people that are running the planet. Rothschilds control Israel. It is their fiefdom. And the sad part about it is, is that the Rothschilds backed Hitler. They backed Mussolini. They backed everybody. They created World War II. They didn't care that, that, that hundreds of thousands or millions of people were killed in concentration camps. They didn't care. They didn't care how many Jews died. They didn't care. Because remember, these guys are the Sabbath, the, they're Sabbatine Kabbalists, they're Luciferians. Jesus himself called them the synagogue of Satan. He said they claim to be Jews that are not. And so they throw this back on the Jews, and the Jews get killed and get persecuted because the control of Israel is being run by the Kabbalists, who are Satanists, who aren't even probably Jewish to start with. And this is the problem that we've run into. But because we've been hoodwinked by the Schofield Bible and basically by the Sabbatean Kabbalists and by Samuel Untermeyer and all of the gang that I talked about today in this show, we want to believe all of this stuff they tell us is true, and it's not. Guys, it's so important to understand. Why would you send money to a temple fund in Israel when they're going to promote the Antichrist? And if you read the article that I just brought up a second ago, it says they're trying to hurry, basically, the end times. They're trying to manipulate God in order to bring in the Antichrist. And you think, well, why would they do that? Well, I don't know why they want to do that, except they're just absolutely. This is a remember. This isn't a this isn't a ten year plan they've had. This has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, this is what they can do. Here's here's a quote from this article. The whole idea behind John Hagee's Christian Zionism is to align America with the nation of Israel, so as to hurry up in his efforts to bring about Armageddon, according to the pastor. 
This idea that humans can force God's hand is, a, is not a new one. The cult of the Sabbatean Francus Cabalus believed in a similar ideology. And now, I want you to read this. I posted this article. It'll be posted up tonight on our website. You go into deal with it. And, you go into, and it talks about Jack and Frank, the Sabbatean Cabalus, and how all of these people are the ones who are the ones supporting this group of evangelicals in the United States. I mean, if you go into some of these churches, and I've done it, but I'm <laughs> don't go there anymore, and you start talking about what Israel really is and how the number one homosexual destination in the world, they pretty much politely ask you to leave. And you say, but it's true. And they say, we don't care. That's how brainwashed this is. We don't care that they have bestiality brothels. We don't care that sex with children is legal. We don't care that full-term abortion is legal. We don't care it's the number one homosexual destination in the world. We don't care. And you, but, but I said, we don't care that you can't proselytize and talk about Jesus. And if you do on the street corners and you try to convert a Jew, you're put in prison and beaten half to death. We don't care they do all of that. And I'm like, why wouldn't you care? How can light have anything in common with darkness? How can salt water and fresh water flow from the same spring? Doesn't the Bible say, come ye out from among them, be ye separate, touch not the unclean thing? But they don't get that. They're so caught up in this religious movement, which basically combines ancient Jewish mysticism and rituals with Christianity. Guys, I hate to tell you, those two are mutually exclusive. When Christ came and he died for us, he changed everything as far as God's relationship to man and man's relationship to man. And being caught up in Old Testament, you know, Traditions of men that aren't even included in the Torah or the Talmud, in the Old Testament, but they are in the Talmud. You, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why in the world would you get all wrapped up in being a Jew when you're supposed to be a Christian? It, it, that, I don't understand any of that. But that's how extreme it's become in the world today of evangelical circles because they want to all believe that they're doing everything Israel. I mean, they have Passover ceremonies and all the other stuff. I mean, we don't need to have Passover ceremonies. Jesus was our Passover lamb. We don't need to have Jewish Passover days. We don't need any of this stuff. And then we have people like DHS now saying that Americans need to start prepping for up to six months without electricity. And you're asking yourself, why would they tell us? Why would the Department of Homeland Security say Americans need to start prepping for six months without electricity? And why would Deagle, the forecaster, say that the population of the United States is going to drop by almost 70% in the next couple of years, next five years? Well, because it's all being controlled by the media. And remember, because the alt-media has gotten so powerful, they don't want us around anymore. They really don't. They don't want me having this conversation with you guys today. Because they don't want to have a different narrative going out. Another article. COVID-19 tests may be, detecting, may be detecting traces of dead viruses, giving false positives and exaggerating the pandemic. Well, of course it is. That, that's what they want. They don't want to have us getting accurate tests. They don't want you having good vaccines. They don't want that. They want to continue to push the narrative of hatred and bitterness. It's what they started with that melting plot play they did back in 1910. Another article, heavily armed Trump supporters in combat gear clashed with BML, BLM protesters marching for Breonna Taylor in Louisville on Kentucky Derby Day while fans start to arrive at Churchill Downs. You think, well, why would they do that? Because they want to have the narrative. Now, remember, the media is controlled by these guys. 
The media is. That's why the media is promoting that narrative. You know, the media is promoting the fact that assaulting police is more acceptable to Virginia senators. All of this stuff they pit into the media is something they want you to listen to and create division among you instead of creating love and peace. What they're saying basically is that a lot of times police do things that are really, really bad and people shouldn't be charged with a felony that they resist the police. Okay, well, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. Like if you say, oh, you're, you're trying to handcuff me, you hurt my shoulder and you pull your arm back, you're not resisting arrest, you, you winced in pain. So why should you be charged with a felony for resisting arrest? You know, so they're saying, wait a minute, maybe we're doing this stuff wrong. Maybe we're creating a lot of these felons, and it's true. You know, and then Trump coming back in and saying that school teachers teaching New York Times 1619 project will not be funded. Again, they know he doesn't have the authority to do that, but they promote that. Why? Because they want to promote the narrative of division. Another one, thousands of anti-government protesters gather in Jerusalem to announce President Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's handling of the coronavirus pandemic and now having massive demonstrations over there. Another one, nurse whistleblower telling people at hospitals are vaccinating patients by force without their knowledge. Now, that's alt news. That's not supposed to go out there. That's what they're trying to stop. Nurse whistleblower, hospitals are vaccinating patients by force without their knowledge. Now, I know this is true. Here's why. Two of my children were born via midwives. Two of them were born in hospitals for various reasons. And both times in the hospitals, I had to tell them not to give the baby the hepatitis shot. And both times they said, that's routine. When you signed the paperwork, you gave us permission to do that. I said, au contraire. Au contraire. I'm telling you right now, in writing, here it is, in my piece of paper that I would hand them, you will not give my son or my daughter any vaccinations, including the hepatitis shot. Well, that's against our standard medical procedure. Well, you've got to tell them. Because when you sign those admission forms, you're signing for standard medical procedure. If that includes a vaccination, you're going to get it. So this isn't new. This isn't new. You go into the hospital, one of the first things they want to do is give you a flu shot. My mother-in-law, years ago, got put in the hospital with her heart. First thing they want to do. I mean, she's in there with her heart. They want to give her a flu shot. And we told them no. It was well, that's routine. I said, no. I mean, they walked into the room with a needle with a flu shot in it. I mean, they weren't asking. They were going to do it. And we, if we had not asked what the shot was, then she'd have gotten the shot. See, this is why it's so important that you understand what your rights are if you go into a medical place or into a hospital like this. Now, now a new study says that, you know, as vitamin, the vitamin D debate rages, study finds that there's a 60% higher rate of COVID-19 among people with low levels of the sunshine bottom or low levels of vitamin D. It's not 60%, it's probably 90%. And plus the people that are dying from a cytokine storm, probably 99% of them are deficient in vitamin D. And so you have to have vitamin D, potassium iodide, zinc, and vitamin C in your diet every single day. It's so important that you do that because if you don't, what you're going to end up with is a cytokine storm if you come down with COVID. I had a friend of mine last night. I talked to him for an hour. His mom died two weeks ago. She was perfectly healthy, came down with pneumonia, came down with COVID, three weeks later in a hospital, died. 84 years old. And I asked him last night, we had a long discussion about how he was holding up. And I told him, and I'll tell you guys this too, and you guys who've lost parents, you basically pretty much know that I'm right. You never get over it. You just get used to living with it. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I tell my family here, I wish I could talk to my dad. Because my dad used to warn me about stuff that was coming and what happened in the United States and what happened in Germany and what happened with the reissuance of currency in the Weimar Republic. He used to 
warn me about this stuff all the time. And I just, and I was in my twenties. I'm like, whatever, man. You know, I don't want to hear all this. It's all negative. Yuck, yuck, yuck. But now I think, wow, I wish I could ask him questions about this because he'd lived through it. Remember, he was born in 1901. And so then my grand, great, great granddad is my dad. Here's another article from Zero Hedge. The next normal is central bankism transitioning to fascism. Remember, fascism is just another form of communism. That's when government starts controlling major industries. I mean, it's just, it's just another form of communism is all it is. And that's what Hitler had was a type of communism. They called it fascism, but it was controlled again and created again through the international banking cartels. That's what it is. So they're trying to bring that now into the United States, the same thing that Hitler was doing, and combined with a type of socialism, communism. You remember, it always starts off as socialism, and it goes into full-blown communism. So that's why those two words, socialism and communism, are synonymous. You, you, that's the thing they try to do. It was not communism and socialism, same thing. Same thing. And all, here's another article. 48 of America's 50 largest cities are hit by Black Lives Matter riots. Well, they should call it Communist Rothschild Lives Matter. That's what they should call it, because they're the ones paying for it. And we have to understand, another article, we're shutting you down. Violent BLM protesters attacked stunned diners and smashed up a restaurant in Rochester, New York, in shocking footage during a protest over the death of Daniel Prude. So they actually walk into a restaurant, and they tell everybody to get out, because they're shutting the restaurant down, and then they basically are basically going to beat everybody up if they don't leave. Well, if Austin was all with me today, I would have him. I would have him deal with this. But guys, here's the problem: when you when you go in, and let's say there's 30 of these guys walking to a restaurant, there's four or five people in there that basically are eating dinner, and then they say you got to leave. Well, now you've got an option here if you're armed. Okay, you can say I'm not going to leave, and you can escalate. Now. Unless you're really proficient, you're probably going to end up getting grabbed, beaten up. If you pull your pistol, you're probably not going to have enough ammunition. If you can get out more than a couple of rounds, you're probably going to end up getting killed. So they know that. All of the people who are doing this are bullies, and they're picking on a few people in the restaurant. Now, if there were 100 patriots in there, and they were all armed, and you had 100 Antifa people walk in, probably end up being a different scenario. But what it would be, what would happen, it would be a national incident, and you'd have you know, another... The first shot fired, you know, and you know, it's in the American Revolution or in the Civil War. You have that all over again because it's going to be a point in time they're going to continue to push this and pay for this until they create a narrative so negative that the patriots say no more. That's why it's so important to really think through stuff. Remember, guys, everything that you post online is going to be scanned now by hate speech algorithms. You know, we talked about last week how they were hiring Israel to come in now with Facebook, Zuckerberg, at least they're taking the mask off. Zuckerberg's another Rothschild cutout. Rothschild owns Israel. Israel controls a lot of the algorithms and stuff they're doing in the world. And now it's all based on the ADL, which is another communist organization. I thought I'd mention that. And by the way, the NAACP is also another communist organization. Just thought I'd mention that. And all these groups are working together for the overthrow of the United States. And now they're going to start looking at all the algorithms and determining all the hate speech. This is why... If I had posted this show on YouTube, it would be taken down almost immediately. The show I'm doing with you right now, because they don't want me saying this kind of stuff that I'm saying. That's why when they took us down two and a half years ago, I never bothered to go back up on YouTube. I could open it out of the channel. I could have done that. And then I'd have to fight this whole time, the whole time. They, 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 already, they had already demonetized. This didn't make any difference. So what was the point of fighting that and fighting it and fighting it? And this is what they want. They want to continue to control the narrative with everything that's supposed to be being said. Now... By the way, I mean, I'm out, of, I'm out of time. Show's done. But I want you to know something, guys. I love you. I appreciate you, too. You know, I, I really had the opportunity to pray for you 
earnest on Saturday and Sunday and again this morning. And I do that every day. And it means the world to me to know that you guys are supporting Health Masters and you're getting your, your vitamins and your multiple vitamins and your toothpaste and your deodorant and all the things from us. I mean, I didn't have to do a show on Labor Day. I've got a lot of really good green shows that we call them that I could have played tape today and you guys would have thought, wow, look at this. It's a great show today. But it would have been a tape and I would have known it. I wanted to be here with you guys let you know that I appreciate you and I support you and I'm part of your family and you're part of my family as far as I'm concerned. Kind of like we adopted those 20 Thai girls. It's kind of like we're all part of that same group now. You're part of my family. I'm part of your family. The 20 girls are part of your family. We're all in this together. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for the continual support and the continual prayers that you give us. Now, a lot of you guys, I know for various reasons, you're, you're not supporting Health Masters. And I want you to know something. I'm still praying for you. You know, if you could get your multiple vitamins from us every month, that would be great for us. It helps cover the cost of the show. But the reality is, I'm still going to pray for you. Why would I do that? Because as Christians, we have to maintain unity of the spirit and unity of the believer. They'll know that you love one another, that you're my disciples, because you love one another. They'll know that you're my followers, my disciples, because you love one another. And guys, that's why I do these shows with you guys you know, on an ongoing basis, because I want you guys to know something. You know, I could be doing other things right now. I could be swimming. I could be golfing. I could be doing all kinds of stuff. But I've chosen to spend this morning with you. Now, I know our listenership is probably going to be down today because it's Labor Day, but that's okay. A lot of you listen to the show tonight, and I hope you've had a wonderful, wonderful weekend with your family. And I, guys, I want you to know something. You know, always remember this. Today is the Lord. Today is the day the Lord hath made. We need to be glad and we need to rejoice in it. We need to thank God Almighty. As many issues as we have in this country, we still have a country that is still the greatest country in the world. And we need to bring our country back to where it was once under a Christian value system, a Christian work ethic, under the Protestant work ethic. I love you guys. I appreciate you. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless.